Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Looking forward to that, and you will absolutely have to put up with me a whole lot less tonight than you do today. Acts 1 and 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Jesus commanded them to wait for the Holy Ghost to come into their lives. Verse number 8, he says, But ye shall receive, everybody say it with me, power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You may be seated. Picking up from where we left off last Sunday morning, and I uh, am very appreciative of pastor's offer that if uh, we don't get done today that we can continue, but I, I have high hopes that we will get done. I did not set out on a journey for this to be a multi-part lesson, uh, but picking up from where we left off last week talking about the epistles, we were getting ready to dive into the two things that are important about receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, I, I can't rewind the tape from last week, so if, you're, if your curiosity is killing you this morning, you're just going to have to grab it on podcast. But one thing that we made reference to last Sunday morning is that the physical act of repenting, uh, getting baptized in Jesus' name, and receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, that the physical act of salvation, participating in those three fundamental things, they in and of themselves do not teach you anything. It's not that you don't learn something through that process, but you don't come up from the water, even though the Bible says you come up to walk in newness of life, you don't come up from the water and say, Whoo, I'm a new person. You don't wake up the morning after getting the Holy Ghost and just, Whoo, I've made it. I'm there. There's a life that has to be lived. That's why there are 21 books from Romans through Jude dedicated to the church. And if I could rehearse very quickly for you, a little commercial, that the scriptures that you find in Romans through Jude that are written specifically to the church, we must keep it in our memory today that they are written to Holy Ghost-filled believers. They are not written to the world. So scriptures that you see in Romans and Corinthians and Timothy that refer to salvation, they do not replace Acts 2.38's experience. They are in addition to, they are teachings to help solidify the fact that yes, if you're going to confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. What happens when you confess with your mouth? The Holy Ghost is delivered. So they do not contradict, they do not replace, 
They solidify the idea that Acts is where the church is born. Romans through Jude is letters to help us learn how to live after our birth. So two things, two fundamental things about receiving the Holy Ghost. One is that you should receive power. And we, we alluded to that last week very briefly. You should receive power. You will receive power. It says you shall receive power. It does not put within you this innate desire to or, or ability to just avoid sin. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. Is because when I'm by myself, when I'm by myself in this world and I have temptation laying right in front of me, on my own, I'm weak. With the Holy Ghost, hold on now, because I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say. With the Holy Ghost, I'm less weak. I think there's a grave misunderstanding among the church members today. Not, not this membership, but the body of Christ. And that is that once you get the Holy Ghost, you'll never fail. Now some of you elders that's been around a mile or two can say amen. The Holy Ghost does not forbid me from falling. Because it does not take away my human humanity. It does not take away from me the ability to do wrong. But it does give me a power that if I can summon the name of Jesus into my life in front of temptation, that I can refuse it. Notice what I said this morning, that I can refuse it. The choice is still ultimately yours. But I have a greater success rate with the Holy Ghost than I do without it. Because without it, I have no power. With it, I do have Secondly, Jesus said, you should be witnesses unto me. Receiving the Holy Ghost places the light of God in your life. Perhaps some of you have witnessed this, perhaps some of you haven't. But I, I, I've seen, I, I, know, I know Bishop's witnessed it because I've heard him talk about it over the years. But I've seen in my lifetime, People who come to church who are, as we term it, on fire for God. They're, they're worshiping. They're, they're living a stable life with God. They're faithful to God in attendance. They're faithful to God in sacrifice. I almost said giving, but sacrifice is more than just giving. But let's not forget it includes that. But they're faithful to God in sacrifice. They're faithful to God in fasting. They're faithful to God in every avenue of their life. It's almost as if you can tell the moment that they stop being faithful. It's as if, it's as if you take a, a lamp and take the shade off of it. That's the... Holy Ghost fire, active walk with God. You start losing your stability. You start losing your faithfulness. You stop 
being who you are in God, somebody just takes a, a, a very thin cover and starts covering up the lamp. Till it, and it's so subtle, Brother Terry. It's so subtle that you can have a, a sheet, uh, and I really don't want to unfold that this morning because I need it, but you can take a sheet and you can just kind of put it over that lamp and the, the first sheet, it doesn't make a difference. And if we're not careful, we'll think, hmm, I, I did this certain sin a couple of days ago and I come to church and whew, I still felt him. And we'll feel that as a validation for our lifestyle that we've just developed. And then another, I'm not going to empty the Kleenex box out this morning, but then, then another sheet, my mother-in-law would kill me if I did. <laughs> then we put another sheet on top of it, and it's, it's, a little, it's a little dimmer. But yet I can still feel him. They get up there and sing, and whoo, my spine's just tingling. Thank you, Jesus. Again, I feel validation for my lifestyle. And now I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't have to go to church on Sunday night. Because I, I've skipped three Sunday nights in a row, and I come back, and whoo, I still felt it. We add more layers. We add more layers. We add more layers. And you may be present in attendance, but your light is so covered up that it completely dulls your appearance. And for anybody that's never witnessed this this morning, let me tell you, it physically dulls your appearance. Physically. Because where you did shine, you no longer shine. Amen. So the light of God gets placed into our life and shines for everybody to see. Our life, I'm trying to put emphasis on a few things this morning because we're going to talk about it, but your life becomes a witness. If, I, if we were to take a poll this morning, and if I were to ask you what is, what, what, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word witness? And we're not taking a poll, but just so that's clear. But if we were, some of the answers would be door knocking, putting, putting mailers in, in mailboxes, and passing out flyers, Nothing wrong with that. That's not witnessing. That's advertising. Some, some things, some images that would come to mind would be you at work or at home, wherever you may be, and whoever it is that's next to you that you want to pester the most, and you riding them hard saying, you need to come to church. You're going to hell. Again, not witnessing. Perhaps that is witnessing, but it's not witnessing Jesus. 
your life becomes a witness. I, I live, Brother Zach and I were just having a conversation about uh, this topic a, a few days ago while we were traveling. And, and I told him, I said, I live by this mantra. If my life does not speak it first, I need not say anything. We need to understand this morning that when it says that you would be a witness, that doesn't mean that you've got to go out and you've got to consciously be talking and expressing Him. I'm not saying not to. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And the right way is your life has to first be a witness. And if your life is a witness... That in and of itself will open doors for you. And when that door opens, then we take the opportunity to express Him. And if your life doesn't open that door, then perhaps internal inventory is necessary to help determine between you and God, how can I be a witness? Because this whole living for God thing while it's not complicated, it seems to be challenging. It's challenging in the day and age we live in because everybody wants to judge everybody. With the, with the onset of reality TV and judge this and judge that, everyone has absorbed this type of commercial thinking that if you don't do what I think you need to do, then I know I can diagnose what your problem is. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus speaking. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Everybody say all things. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, it's important to realize this morning that you cannot remember something you didn't know to start with. I'm getting too deep for you already, aren't I? That's so simple, it's deep. You can't remember something you don't know. If you've never been taught it, you're not going to remember it. The Holy Ghost is a teacher. But Jesus said, I'll bring all things into your remembrance of what I have said unto you. Guess what? They had to be in present company when he said it. In order for the Holy Ghost to bring those statements back to their remembrance. Now, I didn't come to harp on this this morning. And perhaps it's not my place. I'll say it and then pastor can clean it up after he listens to the podcast. But this is another biblical reason why we're constantly up here saying don't forget service tonight. Don't forget service and Bible study Wednesday night. 
We're, we're not a, a, a profitable business that's just trying to put out some good marketing that says we want you to be here. We're, we're trying to advertise for God and help you understand that the Holy Ghost cannot teach you if you are not around when the Holy Ghost is teaching. There have been a time or two that I have went to some of my employees and asked for an update on something. Where are we at on this situation? What's going on? And I'm asking for something that I never asked them for to begin with. In my mind, I had requested it. And they're looking at me with the deer in the headlights look saying, well, uh, we're, 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 we're really nowhere. <laughs> Why are we really nowhere? Because, uh, you know, being the dutiful employee they are, they hesitate to tell me to my face that I never asked for it. But they finally get it out. Well, because you, you never asked for it. And then I realize, oh, okay, now I'm asking. Can you do this? Let's reset the clock. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> and they're like, okay, okay. God wants to teach us through His Holy Ghost. He wants to bring, we're going to tie this together to witnessing now. He wants to bring all things back to your remembrance. You say, well, Brother Mason, when the door opens, I'm scared to walk through it. That's okay. Holy Ghost is there with you. I don't know what I'm going to say. Let's join the club. Most of us don't. You walk through the door by faith. God opens. This, this is the beauty of what happens when God opens the door. Holy Ghost joins you. You open your mouth. The Bible says God fill it. And at that very moment in time, and if you've ever experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning. At that very moment in time, God begins to bring back to your remembrance things that can now be a witness for Him. The only reason he was able to bring back to your remembrance is because you were in the right place when he said it. That's why we promote the learning and education of memory verses in our Sunday school classes. Even up through college age. Because you cannot ignore the value of knowing the word of God. We tell our teenagers and college age young adults that even if you don't remember this verse next week, you've learned it. And the Holy Ghost is capable of bringing it back to your remembrance after you've learned it. But if you don't ever educate yourself on the Word of God, then there's nothing for you to remember. So it's important. It's very important. It's fundamental to who we are as a church. 
There is a particular church society. I will not call them by name this morning because the, the, the point of reference is not to be rude. But there's a particular church society that touts themselves as having such a edu good educational system that by the time your children are seven years old, they will never leave that church. That belief. They may leave that building, but they will never leave that belief. By the time they're seven, Not 70, not 57, not 30. By the time, Brother, Brother Terry, shamefully enough, I have grew up in this. And there are things I'm still starting to realize. By the time they're seven, they, they, they tout very proudly that every seven-year-old and above, that they have got their hooks in them so deep that they will never leave that belief. Perhaps... Perhaps our, our Old Testament and New Testament Jewish friends were onto something when they quoted, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one every morning when they woke up. Right. And every evening when they went to bed. Perhaps they're onto something by having a scroll in a box that's in the doorway, and every time they walk in a doorway to a new room, they say a prayer that quotes Deuteronomy 6 4. Why? Because they're not ashamed. I can remember a year or so ago when I flew to Israel uh, on the plane. I had heard stories of this, and I finally got to witness it firsthand. But I had heard stories of it, and I saw it, and it was at, at the hour of prayer, cruising altitude of about 41,000 feet, middle of the night, hour of prayer in Israel. All of the priests that were on board the plane, all of the practicing Jews that were on the plane because I happened to be on a Jewish airline every one of them stood up got out of the seat got in the aisle bishop they took the box and they wrapped it around their head they took the scroll and they wrapped it around their arm you can see this in the Old Testament they wrapped it around their arm they put all of the Old Testament uh, fashionable stuff on that we read about the priest in our Bible. They put it on in public on an airplane. About 400 passengers and about every fourth or fifth person was doing this. Not everybody. And they were out in the middle of the aisle. And they were praying. They were not praying quietly. I can't say what they were praying because I don't know what they said, but it sounded good. And they were chanting, and they were praying, and they were bowing. And they were doing everything that we preach about in the Old Testament. Now, it's unfortunate that they missed salvation. But they're not ashamed. How many times are we not a witness? I'm just asking questions this morning. How many times are we not a witness? Simply because we feel more shame then we do understanding. The Holy Ghost is a teacher. When you read the Bible, it will speak to you. Does it speak every verse? Not audibly. Are there verses I read that do not speak anything to me? Yes. Three days later, it might talk to me. Because it's bringing back to my remembrance what I 
When you listen to preaching, the Bible says it is by the foolishness of preaching. That's why we don't take ourselves too seriously up here. It's by the foolishness of preaching that man is saved. What is it about a man getting up and expounding on the Word of God and getting excited and, and sweating and, and spitting and losing oxygen that causes people to respond? It's not the man. It's the Holy Ghost. And when you listen to preaching, the Holy Ghost will speak to you. And if you will listen intently, it will draw you into what is being preached. But I don't agree with what he's saying. That's the time you need to listen more carefully. Because you see, there's an important fundamental thing that we need to realize today. We don't know everything. There was a man Jesus came to, and he said, Master, I am a man of authority and a man under authority. Every man that is of authority still answers to someone. Right. So, we all don't know everything. We've, we've got... Uh, We've got some pretty educated people in this room this morning. I'm not being sarcastic. Some of you are looking at like, well, where's the punchline? I mean that sincerely. We've got some people that's got a good head on their shoulders this morning. Maybe I should be talking about confidence today. We've got business owners here this morning. Business leaders, chemists, vice presidents of companies. Every one of us, when we come into the house of God, have to somehow lay our ego to the side. And who we are out there no longer matters. Because when we come in this house, it's who He is. So I don't know everything. Out there, I'm a man of authority. In here, I'm a man under authority. Why? Because I don't know everything. Out there, I get paid to know everything. And I still don't know everything. But whether I know it or whether I don't, I've got to make a decision. That responsibility is on me. In here, my responsibility is teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. I've got to make it another day. Teach me, Lord. I don't know what to do next. Teach me, Lord. It don't matter if you've got enough degrees to make a thermometer. Teach me, Lord. As you live your life, the Holy Ghost will use circumstances and situations in your life to teach you. 
so that you might in turn pay it forward later and help teach others. I've went through some things in the last decade. I still don't know what the point of the lesson was. Other than at some point, there will be an opportunity where God will expect me to help somebody else. Plain and simple. The Holy Ghost will bring things to remembrance in times that you need. John chapter 16 and verse number 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into, this is important this morning, he will guide you into all truth. Not throwing off on anybody this morning, but it's important that we recognize there's a whole lot of people in society today that have a fragment of truth. I mentioned it last week, and I don't exactly remember how I mentioned it, but I remember mentioning it. That the one thing that I think is the most marketable about this church is that we preach and we teach the book. You as individuals have to decide how much of the book do you want. And the reason I say this is because it matters not what name you hang over your door. We pick a name that more closely identifies with people who listen to the book. But you could do some research on all of your mainstream religions and you can trace them back to their date of origin. Now, I'm, I'm not going to drop names or, or go into any details because, again, my point of reference is not intended to be rude. I just want to make a point. You can trace them back to their point of origin and their point of origin starts with a man whose name was not Jesus Christ. If you take the teachings and the preachings of this church assembly, and if you trace them back to their origin, they will take you on a journey that leads you into Old Testament and New Testament writ with a man whose name Jesus. Why is that important? Because if you're going to commit, commit all. Well, Brother Mason, I want to be saved. Great. Being saved requires more of you than just attending church. Now, we've already dealt with the attending church thing, but even after you get that right, that doesn't save you. This is not intended to be a social club. Love every one of you. 
like, like talking and fellowshipping after church. But that's not why we're here. Amen. So, it's important that we understand if, if you're not committing, if you're not committing, understand what you're not committing to. And why? Because there are a lot of pressures in this world. And there are plenty of people, plenty of people who will say many, many bad things about our belief. Ask them to prove it. I challenge you this morning. When you interact with someone that pokes fun at the, way, the lifestyle you've selected, ask them, show me why it's wrong. Because if someone comes to me and says, tell me why you don't do this, I can give them an answer. There is no reason why we should be intimidated by our environment when we're the one following Jesus Christ. Are you saying you're the only one saved? No. What I am saying is if anybody, you, me, sitting in this room or not sitting in this room, if anybody does not follow his book, then salvation does not follow them. That's what I'm saying. Because the Bible says that the word of God is of no private interpretation. We live in a society that is full of psychologists and sociologists who want to explain away in some mental capacity that church is just for the weak. Well, if I could ever so uh, eloquently say, duh. Whatever made us think we were that strong to begin with? I need a Savior. Yes, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come. Back to John 16, 13, Brother Zach. He will guide you into all truth. The only way the Holy Ghost can guide you into truth that you do not have is if you listen. God's not going to force himself on you. Pastor says it all the time. He's a gentleman. We see reference to it in the New Testament. He, he watched people walk away. Jesus, standing in flesh, God robed in flesh, stood there and watched people walk away to a devil's doom without compromising what he said. Well, if he wouldn't compromise it then, what makes us think he's up for compromise today? When he also says in Scripture that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he changes. No. It's okay to come to church and not have all truth. As a matter of fact, we want to fill this house. 
with people who have truth, who are learning truth, and who have no truth. Because we want to be preaching more about the salvation of Jesus Christ. Because he did come to seek and save that which was lost. Our reason for existence as a church is not just for church people to come together and worship. Our reason for existence as a church is to see the lost saved. So we want people here who are building their faith. That way he can guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Ghost becomes an inner voice that guides you. If you've ever taken a tour, have... I know some of you have, and, and I know I can't be the only one, because there's there's a couple of you in here this morning that I could. Whew, yeah, I, I know you did. You, you you can deny it, but I know you did. You take a tour. You got your tour guide, and they're showing you around, and something catches your eye. Now you've got the tour group, and they've already given you the speech up front. Stay with the group. But then something catches your eye and you're just kind of hanging back just a little bit. You're not hearing a word they're saying. They're 50 yards up and they're talking about the next milestone or whatever in the cave or whatever you're looking at. And you're back here and you're just looking at a rock on the wall. Because it caught your eye. And everything that the guide has said has fell on deaf ears for you. You don't know what they said. Why? Because you didn't stay with the guide. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to know what God expects from you if you don't stay with the guide. He is the guide. He does lead us, but He will only lead. He will not force. To lead means you willingly follow. What's the old statement? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Amen. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will give you righteousness of God. He'll make you in right standing with God. There's a righteousness of man that the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah is nothing more than filthy rags. Nothing we can do will ever justify us. That's why we do not, we do not base our salvation on acts. Whenever I say acts, I mean physical acts, not acts the book. We do not base our salvation on things that we do. Well, I help the poor, and I give to this, and I do this, that's fine. But that doesn't save you. Well, I, pardon me for this reference, but well, I don't pay my tithes, but I give to this. What's the Bible say? Does the Bible say it's okay to give to the Ethiopian fund for the, for the hungry and not give to the church? 
Well, who's going to feed them if I don't? How about give to the church, send a missionary, let the missionary feed them, teach them, guide them, preach to them, save them? God's got a right way. I know. I got on money and I lost you. Let's go back. Everybody starts getting tight when you get to the wallet. But you know what? We'll give to something. And we'll give it willingly. I understand today why Jesus said God loves a cheerful giver. Because we'll give to something. We'll, we'll give to, to basketball foundations. We'll, we'll give to fundraisers for baseball teams. We'll, we'll give to all kinds of stuff to support our kids. But we won't give anything to support our kids whenever it comes to their salvation and their eternity. Is the basketball foundation wrong? No. Is the baseball fundraiser wrong? No. But it should not be a replacement. Holy Ghost will give you peace. I've got to start talking about another more positive subject so I can get you back. We'll give you peace. The Bible says that passes all understanding. How can you come to church with a smile on your face when your body is wrecked with pain? Because of the Holy Ghost. How can you come to church and worship when you have no promise of tomorrow? Because the Holy Ghost gives me peace. I don't understand it. That's biblical prophecy fulfilled. As he said, he give you peace that passes all understanding. I don't understand why I have peace. I'm not even happy. Because the Holy Ghost. According to Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Romans 14 and 17 says that these three things, righteousness, peace, and joy, come how? In the Holy Ghost. So it's through the Spirit of God that we experience the love of God. You don't even properly understand and you cannot appreciate the love of God if you have not experienced the love of God. The Bible is a teacher. Bible is an educator that to help us this is, this is more more than just us coming to church singing a few songs hearing a little bit of word enduring till the last amen and going home folks I'm on a journey to be saved because my salvation was not sealed at 11 years old whenever I was baptized with the Holy uh, my, my salvation was not sealed at 10 when I was baptized in Jesus' name. I was saved. But now I've got to be saved. 
I've got to continue to work on my salvation. And it's a daily process. And far be it from any of us to think that if you come to church on Sunday and you mess up on Monday that you need not come back. That's the reason we need to come back. I still need God. And it's because of His mercy. See, if we, if we take another look, and I, I'm closing this morning and my high hopes have failed on me miserably today. But if we take another look at Acts 1 and 8, and He says, You would be witnesses unto me in all Jerusalem, in all Judea, thank you, Brother Zach, and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. Look at what He's saying. First, he addresses all the spiritual people. He, he knocks off Jerusalem and in Judea. He gets all the spiritual uh, people who are upright in their filthy rags and they think they've got everything right and they don't understand anything and they've rejected him. He's telling them, you be a witness to them. You be a witness to the religious community. Next, he says, I want you to be a witness to Samaria. Why did he call out Samaria? Because they were considered by the Jews to be dogs. They were automatically rejected. But after Jesus was rejected, grace opened the door. And into the uttermost part of the earth. That's where we fall. We didn't even get named. We barely made the list. We're a foreigner. I, I, I say that this morning, and I'm closing, but I say that this morning because uh, I, I'm not anti-American. I, I love America. I still think it's the best country to live in. But Americans as a whole, as a country, we are some of the most arrogant people. Because we have this mentality, we're raised in our culture to believe we're so much better than everybody else. We've got a better wealth system, we've got a better, uh, better job system, which is debatable, but I'll not debate that this morning. Uh, we, we've got a better educational system, that's also debatable. But we're raised to believe that. I deal with a lot of people who are not Americans. And I have for about 15 years. And over the last decade and a half of dealing with people who are not from this country, it was an eye-opener to me to, to, to interact with them and to hear them say, no, I've never been to America. Why would I want to do that? My ego was bruised real quick. It's like, what? I thought everybody wanted to go to America. Because that's what we're taught. Ladies and gentlemen, we didn't even make the list. The only reason we're up there is because we're in the uttermost. We're the foreigner. Why, why are you saying this, Brother Mason? I'm saying this because we need to appreciate the value of grace. Grace should not become a comfortable word for us. When we say grace and mercy, we say, oh yeah, follow me all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We glaze over it real fast. But we need to understand if it were not for grace, we wouldn't even have an opportunity because we don't have the right blood we would not have an opportunity to be saved but thank God we have that opportunity would you stand with me this morning I'm thankful for the word of God
so very thankful for the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God, the Bible says, that will stand forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word shall stand forever. It's the things contained in this book that we learn. And for your salvation walk with God, specifically the epistles, Romans through Jude, that's where you find the pattern of how to live your life. And we need an understanding of how do we live. We've got worship down. We've got shouting down, I think. We've got praise down. We need understanding. Bishop, I want to understand. If I'm shouting today, what do I do when I lose my shout tomorrow? Because if the only thing I know is my shout, then when my shout is gone, so is my salvation. Guess what? Every day is not going to be a shout. I don't walk in the Spirit 24-7, Brother Freddie. And if any of you thought that, shame on you for thinking it, because I don't. I, I don't see a person in here who walks in the Spirit 24-7. There's a life that we must live. We need to understand how to do it together. Let's pray. Father, I love Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.